in the pocket a talk show where people of color who are creatives are able to share their narrative behind the art and you're listening to in the pocket and our guest today is eddie my name is eddie scott i have a bunch of old canvases that i've been trying to uh revive and do something with but i've been getting kind of bored with the work that i have been doing i I like the work that i do but um sometimes when it gets to a point where it starts to turn into a a formula where i can just bang things out i uh i start to lose my attention span with it and so i've been trying to figure out what exactly i want to work on next and what can i work on that's uh a little bit more that can be more relatable to people and isn't just um, uh, my personal interests, so to speak. Um, although there's always, I guess, that balance of trying to find like what you know. You, I, mean, I can't speak for every artist, but you'll usually work on something that draws your attention, and then I usually will then try to find ways to like find a theme that is relatable for a lot of people. Wow. Um, so, like in college, you know. A lot of my work was, uh, not a lot of my work, but some of my like earlier drawings, because I didn't I didn't do acrylic painting uh, at all until I um, moved to Portland. Before drawing was always my thing. Growing up, I've always drawn, and then um, I decided that I wanted to go to school for it, and uh, so I went to University of Maine in Orono and did sort of large charcoal drawings there. Um, I hated painting, like absolutely hated painting. <laughs> I just um, because I I could get a level of detail in drawing that I could not translate into painting, and that used to drive me insane. And um, so I just sort of would always kind of stay away, stay away from those classes, basically. Um, so it was a lot of drawing classes and printmaking, which. Um, I didn't think that I would take to, but the appeal of printmaking was um, that I could make copies of things, and I have a really hard time letting go of some of the stuff that I make. So with printmaking, I could just print a bunch of copies, keep the original, which is like the copper plate, and you know I would kind of be at peace with that. Um, but then when I moved to Portland, I started working at Artists and Craftsmen Supply. Uh, I was very fortunate because um, when I when I moved up to Portland, I didn't have a job. I just moved in with my partner now of nine years, um, and I had like seventy dollars in my account. And I was like, "All right, well, let's uh, kind of figure out what I'm going to do with my degree." You know, once I graduated from Orono, and I just you know, Portland is such a food place. Like it's very. Um, big and hospitality and like I just I am not a terribly extroverted person or hospitable (laughs) so I didn't I didn't see my personality uh working out with that very well for for a long period of time and uh applied to artists and craftsmen supply didn't think that I would get it because I figured every artist in Portland was applying and uh right after I had had an interview um, as soon as I walked back home, like right as I got to the steps, uh, I got a call saying that I got the job. Great. Uh, and this the story is going to go back to painting. So what had happened was um, 
like maybe the first week of me working there, uh, there was a shopping cart full of golden acrylic paint, uh, the brand Golden, and um, I didn't really know that much about acrylic, like what was considered a good brand or a bad brand, and I just remember one coworker being like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they're just giving giving this all away to the um, staff, basically, because we had like a." a uh, donations bin is what we called it and if the staff didn't already pick through what was going to go in donations then the public could have access to it um, and so going on her reaction I was like oh this is really good paint I should just grab as much as I can and brought it home and I had um, a painting that I had started before moving to Portland uh, that was just small acrylic 16 by 20 and um, I was like, you know, I think I want to expand this. And I was slowly starting to get into acrylic painting. And I feel like I learned more. I feel like, and this isn't really a jab at Orono, but I feel like I, I learned more about acrylic painting at Artists and Craftsmen than I did in Orono. <laughs> but you shied away from the classes, right? I, I, well, so the, the thing was is that uh, they, the, they were good at um, getting us to focus on like, you know why we're painting what we're painting in our composition like you know how how to make a painting have some sense to it um but i i feel in either either they didn't really teach this or i just wasn't paying attention but uh uh you know i didn't i didn't learn that much about mediums when i was taking painting classes which is huge because mediums can help uh, stretch out the length of life for your paint. I watered all my paint down. I didn't use any mediums, so I wasn't always impressed with the finish of it. Uh, and, you know, those tubes of paint are expensive. I didn't have a lot of money in college, you know, so I just didn't. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when they were always like, you need to paint thicker, you need to paint heavier, I was like, I can't, in my mind, I was like, I can't squeeze this little tube of paint out. I got to stretch this out for all the other painting classes. So I was just, you know, a bit of a dunce. <laughs> when it came to my painting. What's the medium? So a medium, so like for acrylic, there are different mediums basically that can stretch out the length of your your painting. So like instead of just squeezing out a, a, a color of blue and then watering it down so that it, it uh, brushes more easily on the, on the canvas, uh, you would use a, uh, an acrylic medium, which is basically uh, an acrylic polymer uh, that has no pigment in it, so it's it's paint without the pigment, pigment okay. so to speak. Right. Uh, and then once once that uh, medium dries, it'll dry clear. Or if you add paint other different colors to it, it'll dry that color. Obviously, the more uh, well, not obviously, but um, the more medium you add to a color, the more transparent that color will become. So you kind of have to find that balance of like, do I want do I still want to keep the strength and vibrancy of this color um, that I'm squeezing out of the tube by just adding a little bit of medium, or do I want to maybe turn it into a glaze so that there, so that the color underneath still shows on on when I brush this different color on top of it? I, I hope that made sense. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so going back to the, uh, you know ransacking all these these paints you know I was starting to really get into you know working on this small painting that I had started and expanding it so every paycheck I decided that I would buy 
more canvas and a different acrylic medium because there's all sorts of, of acrylic mediums. So I wanted to learn more about what those were and, and be able to see what they actually looked like on canvas. And I felt like that would not only educate me, but kind of make me a better employee at work because then I could be like, oh, I know it. I actually know what this does instead of just reading the back of the jar. So there's different uh, acrylic mediums like, uh, you know, there'll be a soft gel, regular gel, and heavy gel. And so those are things that could like build up texture on, on the canvas. And then they have different finishes like gloss or matte. So do you want the color to be uh, more rich and vibrant? Or do you want it to have a matte finish? So the color might dry lighter, but it won't have that uh, reflective sheen on it. So it's always kind of a, a something to, to think about um, when you're painting, especially when you want your painting to have a, a finished, even look. All those paints have a different finish, some of the because of the pigments that are involved. So some of the more natural pigments uh, uh, that are in those uh, acrylic paints will dry to a matte finish, whereas some of the synthetic pigments will always dry gloss. So if you're using all these different colors, your painting is going to have a bunch of different sheens, uh, and you can use a medium to offset that. And then usually at the end, an artist will um, varnish their painting anyway, uh, and that will protect the surface of the painting, and it can add a different finish to the painting. Again, you could get a gloss varnish that will deepen and saturate the color of your painting but it'll make it highly reflective on light so something to consider or you could do matte which will lighten the color of everything but you won't have to worry about glare and then you could do an in-between satin varnish which is you know it'll kind of have a velvety finish so yeah i just uh you learned about mediums i learned about mediums you were saying that you were working on a massive canvas mm -hmm. well it's it it was a piece that had started out small and then with each medium that I was acquiring and experimenting with, I was like, I want to keep expanding this little painting um, because I, I kind of had an idea of what I, I wanted it to look like in terms of like, uh, not necessarily just the narrative, but just the, the, the um, shape of it. I was like, oh, you know, I'll do like a triptych. Uh, so just three 16 by 20 canvases. And so then once I finished with that, I was like, oh, I don't really like the the way that it that looks I think I'm gonna add a fourth and so then I was like well now it's just a weird long piece so then I was like all right I'm gonna add <laughs> I'm gonna add two more big canvases on the bottom because I wanted it to be a big rectangle but then when I did that I was like I still wasn't quite happy with the way it looked and so then I ended up adding more uh, canvases to the side and bottom and then I made a massive square and I was like well now it's not rectangular but I also started getting more ideas to like, well, I want to add these different figures to the painting. And it, you know, so it just kind of kept uh, helping me to come up with more creative things to add into the painting. And until eventually I was left with a eight feet by 12 foot painting made of 77 canvases that had covered the entirety of our living room wall. I think I saw that on Instagram. Right? So that that's yes. the piece that was up on Instagram. and. Um, had been there for basically as long as long as my relationship with my <laughs> partner basically, basically it kind of highlights my, my time of like when I first landed in Portland and then I think like a year or two later was when um, the higher concept glass shop on Congress Street you know uh, my, my partner was working there and was 
was pretty good friends with the owner and was like, hey, you know, maybe we can get your your piece hanging up there. And uh, at the time, I was trying different places in Portland to find a place to house that painting because I, I wanted I wanted my work to be seen by a lot of people. I didn't want it to be, you know, I tried galleries. I did not, I don't like galleries. Um, or at least most of the experiences I've had in galleries have just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth in that uh, I find that most people don't feel like they are allowed in the gallery. Like it, it, like it kind of has an air about it of like, you need to have money or, you know, it's just very, uh, it just kind of has like a, no, like a, a makes me think of ex exclusivity. Thank like you. That is it's, it's, excluding people. Exactly. That right? that's exactly what the uh, what I'm looking for is uh, it feels like only certain people are allowed in there to look at the piece, and I wanted my piece to be seen and enjoyed by as many people as possible. It, for me, that painting wasn't about uh, selling it and making money. It was about I want people to enjoy it. I want people to go somewhere else in their head when they see this I want them to be inspired I want them to just say what well, you know like it's like when you come out of like a really crazy fantastical movie and you're just like so wowed and enthralled with that film that you kind of wish that you would you live there that what that's the effect that I wanted to have on people and I felt like if I showed it in a gallery it's going to exclude a lot of people that it could have that effect on it's just going to attract people that are going that may very well have a lot of money but then they're gonna maybe buy this and only hang it in their home where it will only be seen by a handful of people and then what's the, the lifespan of those paintings for people that that buy those you know like do they just leave it up you know like you know it just raises more questions like do they really would they really have this painting on their wall the entire their entire life, or would they get bored? And if they get bored, do they put it in their attic, or they they just throw it away? You know, so I was mostly targeting, you know, restaurants or hotels or, or any anyone really that had a wall space big enough to house this painting. Which unfortunately, uh, there was there was a few places in Portland that had the wall didn't quite have the wall space. Like it would be tall enough but not wide enough I go to a, a different place oh it's wide enough but not tall enough so I was like I think we're just gonna be stuck with this painting in our apartment which I was not upset with because every you know I, I enjoyed I enjoyed my <laughs> my own work uh, and my our roommate at the time uh, used to just lay on the couch and just stare at it and kind of zone out it was like a little therapeutic for him so that was cool yeah but there's a lot going on I mean, yeah and it's huge yeah yeah uh so um the higher concepts you know they were like oh we can move our merchandise off off our wall because they sell like a lot of shirts and hoodies and stuff not just uh glass pieces and stuff so i was like i you know i felt i felt weird being like yeah move your stuff so that my painting could hang here but they're like no it, we feel like it would really flow with everything else that we have here in our shop if they thought it would be a good fit so there there it stayed until uh recently um and uh the only reason being the times we live in you know this pandemic has been really brutal on a lot of businesses that are trying to survive and unfortunately a lot of landlords are just you know they're like you can't pay rent so you gotta go and that's 
pretty much what seems to have happened is they, they can't afford that space anymore. So, you know, they're like, we're really sorry, we need you to come get your painting. But now it's now it's at home, wrapped in thick cloth, waiting to hopefully be seen, hung up somewhere else. But I don't I don't know uh, if and when that is going to happen, like anytime soon. So we'll see. You know, a lot of people have kind of wondered what that piece was about. And what that piece was about for me was, um, so there's these little puffer fish floating around in this kind of weird space that you can't tell if it's underwater or in space. And uh, the puffer fish, to me, was supposed to represent, so when I, when I started this, it was just one puffer fish and one female figure, just on a 16 by 20 panel. That puffer fish was supposed to represent myself as a queer gay person. Um, and that, uh, and, and the piece was, is called Give Us a Kiss. And the idea behind that was that uh, we're all more or less looking for the same thing. Uh, you know, I felt like here I am, this young gay person out in this very kind of dark, nebulous world and looking for the same thing as everyone else. You know, I just want, I just want to find people that will allow me to be myself and to share my light with. Um, and so the puffer fish in these paintings are, are also the light source. They all glow in this weird space. And so I feel like every gay person has a light in them. Um, the other reason for the puffer fish is that, um, you know, growing up, I, I usually when I, I get close to people, I always ask them what their first impression of them uh, first impression of me of uh, where that what their first impression of me was to them and uh, usually it is uh, cold and unapproachable and a little prickly oh, wow. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I did not get that vibe at all <laughs> well, I, pre well, I appreciate that but uh, but you know I'm not I'm not a uh, if you if you were to see me out in public I'm usually in deep thought um, and uh, my resting face uh, is, is either described as uh, kind of sad or, or I look pissed about something. <laughs> it's usually just I'm concentrating and I'm not sad. <laughs> but, um, hmm, are you a Pisces? I, I very much am a Pisces, Okay, yes. <laughs> I'm a Pisces as well. And I, I, I do have that, like, I just am doing something or I'm thinking face and yeah like i have to force myself to like smile or pop out my pimple i mean my dimple yeah so that like i look approachable mm -hmm. yeah and, and it's, it's sometimes frustrating because like people you know that are close to me will be like are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm fine and they're like and but they then they keep asking and then it then i start to get angry because i'm like what what is it like well, like, well, you seem like you're getting upset. And I'm like, yeah, because you keep asking me if I'm okay. And I, and I am. But now I'm, like, getting annoyed because you keep... So, you know, the pufferfish, you know, what I was going with that was that, uh, you know, I am I am shy and and kind of scared of most, <laughs> most people. And so I felt like the pufferfish was, like, a good kind of symbolism for myself, you know. Like, if I puff up at all it's only because you know it's a new interaction and i am i want to approach you know i want to be approachable and i do want to be social but uh it's sometimes you know it can be something small where i suddenly am like i don't feel comfortable or 
maybe these people think I'm boring or, you know, like I get in my own head about it. So that was the, that was the start of that. And then when I moved to Portland and started expanding this painting uh, and meeting more or being around more uh, queer folk, you know, Portland for me was uh, huge in a lot of ways because it was the first time that I uh, had ever gone out and been around a lot of other gay people. Um, Where are you from, if you don't mind me asking? So I'm not really from anywhere. My parents were military, so I yeah. moved a lot. Uh, I was it. born in Hawaii, which I have no memory of, because uh, when I was six months old, we moved to uh, Japan. And so that's my, those are my earliest memories. And so we lived there for six years, and then from there, uh, we moved around a lot. So we lived in like San Diego, California, Tucson, Arizona, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Phoenix, um, DC, uh, and then my parents got an embassy job in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, so we lived in Africa, and then once their contract uh, there was up, my mom finished her time in the Navy in Brunswick, Maine, and so that's how I, that's how I ended up in Maine, and then once she retired, they were like, do you want to you can either stay here or you can come with us. And so at that point I had graduated. I had started taking classes at uh, Southern New Hampshire University in uh, Topsom, Maine, and was thinking of transferring to Orono, Maine. And I was like, you know what? I want to see what it's like to live on my own. So I'm going to stay here. Uh, and then once I graduated from Orono, uh, my parents hated being retired. They got another contract job in Dakar, Senegal, so back in Africa. And once I graduated, I went out and joined them because travel is very important to me. And if, I encourage everyone, if you, if you have the means or you know people that live in other parts of the U.S. or outside the U.S. and they're offering you room and board, all you have to do is buy a ticket, you, you should. And because it's a big world out there, can learn a lot and you can meet a lot of really cool people and you know kind of expand your horizons so uh ended up in senegal once their contract was up they had to go back to north carolina i came back to maine to figure out then what i was doing and in that uh transition period was when i met my now partner um who i, I did not think anything was going to come of that because i was trying to figure out uh how to get into grad school in Australia and got accepted and had to kind of like let him know like hey I'm not I'm not gonna be here and I feel I don't feel right leading you on like I don't I don't like to do that and and uh he was like you know with your permission I'd, I'd still like to try the like long distance thing and so I was like I don't know if it's gonna if that'll work but you know what why not let's try it let's see if it'll pan out and so I go to North Carolina to try and finalize that. And a lot of things just weren't working out. Like, so I got accepted into the program in Australia, <clears throat> but admissions and financial aid was becoming a huge pain. Like uh, I wasn't getting a clear, any clear answers on what I needed to pay and when. Uh, I wasn't getting any clear answers on financial aid. So at one point I had to defer until I could you know, get something because I, I didn't have any money. And then for whatever reason that year, they were like, oh, yeah, we're not we're not doing uh, anything through FAFSA. Uh, so, you know, 
you're just gonna have to come up with the money and I was like well I, I don't have that so I guess I'm not going so that that kind of took this you know the wind out of my sail and my partner or my now partner you know was like well if you like you can come up here and live with me and at that point I was like I don't know if that's a good idea but you know what why not yeah, I was like we'll we'll live with each other worst case scenario we'll find out that maybe we don't like each other you know we'll see each other's crazy I'll push him down the stairs or something and then I'll have to leave and uh, <laughs> you know months went by and it, it just, it just didn't have any issues and then you know years went by and uh, you know we were just like pretty pretty good we're good we're good with each other (laughs) and so you were discovering like a gay community with your partner so through him i was discovering a gay community with my partner and so we would go to sticks uh so that sticks was like and so it's so funny because a lot of people you know that i've talked to have been like oh sticks was garbage blah 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 and i'm like that was that was my the only gay bar i've ever been to so that was magic to me like that was pivotal for me because I got to see other gay, I got to see my gay community. And- We're diverse. Yeah, and and it was huge for me because it made me feel more comfortable being myself outside of sticks. And I would always look around the room and try to get familiar with the, the, the people and faces that I saw there because, you know, in the daytime, when I'm out in, in Portland, I would I would start to recognize a lot of people, and it it would make me feel so good because I was like, here I here here they are living their their like gay lives, just going about their business, you know, like and not and not being hassled. They're able to be themselves. They're able to hold hands. They're able to kiss each other, which you know I was out very comfortable in my in who. I was, but not in expressing it out in the public, you know. My partner was all about holding my hand, kissing me in public, and that was just all new territory for me because I was always worried that someone was going to, you know, say something crazy to us or beat us up, you know. So, as I started to expand that pufferfish painting, you know, and adding all these, like, pufferfish lights and just these nebula bursts, you know, to me it was supposed to encapsulate our gay community it was supposed to be the gay nightlife you know not necessarily just sticks but just you know the places that felt gay gay friendly queer friendly you know so sticks flask uh i feel like there was another place there was one like by milk street by the armory for a minute yeah yes i can't think of the name of it like studio or something something like that yeah like studio 158 something like yeah. that it was uh, only around for like a year it, maybe it, two it wasn't around long two. but you know expanding so that's that's ultimately was what that painting started to evolve into was you know now me the one little puffer fish being surrounded by all these other beautiful queer lights and you know celebrating you know the nightlife um, you know, being able to go out and just have fun and be yourself and stand outside and, you know, talk crazy to each other while, you know, people are outside smoking cigarettes. <laughs> you know, just, it was just so cool to me. Um, and the, the three giant female figures that are in the painting were supposed to represent 
uh, sort of different archetypes that I that I felt like uh, I myself or other gay men kind of uh, go towards. So there's the you know this giant pregnant figure that was supposed to be the, you know this this mother mothering figure. You know I feel like every gay man has that mother type figure whether it's an actual mother or just a friend or, or whatever that has kind of you know been the one to nurture them or to help them you know be like I'll, I'll protect you from this crazy outside world until you feel comfortable going out in the world yourself what's the plug how can people find you hire you buy your work <laughs> yeah yeah uh so people can reach me uh through my instagram handle demetrius designs which is d-i-m-i-t-r-i-u-s d-e-s-i-g-n-s uh that's my instagram handle um you can also find my work on demetriusdesigns.com awesome yeah. thank you yeah, thank you very um, much Thank you for coming and thank you for your beautiful work. Um, do you do you have any projects that you're working on currently? Kind of wary about doing anything COVID related, uh, just because it's a really it's we're living in it currently and it's really dark and a lot of people unfortunately have lost their lives to it. But that is what art is about. It is usually art is kind of like especially early art, was about documenting the time. It was about, this is what's going on, this is what's happening. And thank you for listening to In the Pocket with our featured guest, Eddie, on WMPG 90.9 Southern Maine Community Radio.